0: Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Özil. Marca Mesuto Özil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome
1: to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, how's it all going up there? People were a bit worried last week that we that we didn't actually um, talk about our own lives for a few moments, so I, I don't want to deny them that this week.
0: <laughs> no, of course not. No, it's still lovely up in Edinburgh, yeah, having a great old time. I go home tomorrow on transfer deadline day, so, you know, it's quite exciting. I'll be actually someone on the move on deadline day. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Returning so from Edinburgh to, to London.
1: On a train, glued on a train, to your
0: laptop. Not a customary mode of transport for players on deadline day, is it? Usually it's planes or helicopters. In the most exciting cases, helicopters. Um, but well, I'm taking hang on. public transport.
1: Hang on. Didn't um, Thingy or oh, Thingy Me Jig turn up to a training ground in a car?
0: Yeah. Remember? That's true. Peter Odom Wingy? Peter Oden Wingy just turned up. It would be awesome if he ground. turned
1: up on a train tomorrow. His own, like Thomas the Tank Engine.
0: Steam train. No one's using trains, though. They're too prone to delay. That's the issue.
1: That is the problem. Few leaves on the tracks and it's all fucked.
0: Exactly. Imagine imagine, £50 million deal going down the pan because, I don't know, a few leaves on a few tracks. It's not worth the risk. But, yeah, no, all's, all's well. What about yourself?
1: Uh, it's it's well. It's also well. My car is broken, which is unfortunate. In what respect? In the respect that um, it doesn't work. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, that way. I don't know what, what it is. We went out yesterday and parked up and then we had to get an emergency battery recharge and we got home, turned the car off, turned it on again and it just kind of makes this clicking noise. And then when I, even when I opened the door, um, I went in to check it this morning and just, you know, to see had it magically fixed itself overnight because I believe that those sort of things can happen.
0: Sure, that it uh, can heal itself,
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nothing. And when I opened the door, there was just a weird sound from the engine. It was just kind of this, like, dick, 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 dick. and the, the engine wasn't even on. So I suspect the car could be possessed. Right. That's my. That's my mechanic hat on there. So you've got a priest coming out, have you? Well, yes. First
0: the priest, then I might call a garage. Okay, well, give the priest a whirl first. At, le- at least let him have a crack at it.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so we'll see. So, But that's about the most exciting thing that's been going on in, in my life. So you're
0: not going anywhere on deadline day?
1: I'm you're going, absolutely. Well, I could go on my bicycle, but again, you know.
0: I'd love to see that from a, a player. <laughs> I'd really enjoy that if someone turns up at London Colney tomorrow on a, a penny farthing. That would be good, or a rally chopper. That would be yeah. awesome. yeah. Um, so uh, it,
1: we, we'll talk transfers, I think, a little bit later on, because yeah. uh, clearly that's going to be uh, the subject of some discussion. And uh, just judging by some of the questions that we're getting in, uh, people seem to be quite interested in this whole transfer thing. As I think if, it could take off this yeah, whole deadline day thing. As if we're going to be involved or something. I don't quite understand, but there you go. We'll we'll touch on that a bit later on. <laughs> but uh, let's start then with the weekend's events and, uh, well, a 1-0 win away from home at Newcastle. Not an unusual scoreline there, but in the circumstances... Uh, uh, a, a good result in the context of the weekend, but I think people wanted more from us in terms of the performance, uh, playing against 10 men. Should we have won it by more? Does it matter that we only won it 1-0?
0: What's what's your take? Well, I think it's really important that we did win it. I think had we dropped you know, a couple more points, then suddenly our start to the season would have begun to look a little bit ropey. Um, and I think in the context of some of the other results this weekend... It's fantastic that we got the win, Chelsea. I do, yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, what's going on there? I don't know. Are they or, in
0: crisis? I mean, are, are we in crisis? What's a crisis? I don't know. The parameters always shift. Mm. It's very funny, though. Regardless, yeah. Um, and obviously Liverpool's result, pretty pretty extraordinary, and as also well.
1: Manchester United. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to say, Bafetimbi Gomez. Probably has my favourite celebration I've seen for some years.
1: It was um, terrifying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. Speaking of possessed, I do feel like that's what happens to him when he scores.
1: He did, uh, like, yes. I was afraid he was going to come through the telly. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant.
0: He's, he goes into fully into character, doesn't he? It's like he really engages in the sort of animal exercise that he's undertaking. Yeah, yeah. He enjoyed yeah. that one for sure. Hmm. Um, but um, yes, I think I think it's a, a good result. I mean, I think because it's the ten men, isn't it, that skews it? Um, the the fact they were down a man and that we dominated so much, and yet still required an own goal yeah. to get the win, is probably what what brings about the concern.
1: Yeah, the worries that this would have been a great chance perhaps to to sort of open the floodgates if you like when you're playing against 10 men uh, a team who's been down to 10 men from the 16th minute no arguments with the right card of course hmm No. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I was just checking. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you're looking perhaps at your strikers, someone like Walcott, for example, who's been given a chance to play up front because maybe the manager felt this was the best kind of game for him to, to play in when it was 11 versus 11. The fact that when it went, you know, 10 versus 11, Newcastle sat deep and then Walcott disappointed. Well, yeah. Even it, in the context of the overall team performance, I thought he was very disappointing. You know, th- this idea that he just doesn't get involved enough. Games can pass him by and that's true whether he's on the right-hand side or or playing up front but then he missed two great chances.
0: He did miss two great chances. That's the thing that will... Uh, stick in the craw for a lot of people I I do think that we selected a front three you know with Oxlade Chamberlain Alexis and Walcott for a very different game than the one that actually unfolded Uh, you know that's a trio with loads of pace who offer you a threat on the counter attack and then actually we didn't have to play like that at all because once Newcastle went down a man they sat uh, very very deep Mm. and I I definitely don't think that suits Walcott's strengths you know Is, is,
1: Is there an argument that Arsene Wenger could have changed things around a little bit earlier that Probably. Olivier Giroud on at half time, for example, might have given us uh, a bit more in attack
0: throughout that second period? Yeah, possibly, because, you know, I think you could even have kept some of the attacking personnel on the pitch. You could have kept Walker on, put him right, pushed Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, back into midfield, or Aaron Ramsey back into midfield, a bit deeper. So I, I think uh, that would have been a worthwhile change. I thought when Giroud came on, he actually did improve the, the shape of the team, albeit that it wasn't a, a brilliant individual performance from him either. You know, there was that, <laughs> there was that very wild shot, wasn't there, um, when he was put through on the left. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was just
1: clearly a guy who was uh, frustrated at being left on the bench. There was that moment where he did the, you know, the roll your fingers motion yeah, to, yeah. to make a change. I can't remember exactly when that was. Uh, in the game but it was it was quite funny probably after one of Walcott's misses I think but then to come on and you know he, I think he held the ball up well, got it down the left well and could have done something with it from that position but the idea of just shooting way over the bar from there uh, just spoke to the frustration that he
0: obviously felt and that's not the best way to, to deal with it mm. Mm. I, I mean no not at all and I well I, I, do you think I don't know, I don't know. What did you make of um, Aaron Ramsey going back into the centre? Do you think that, that was a positive step? Or do you think that that was... Uh, did we miss Mesut Ozil, do you think, in terms of chance creation?
1: Yeah, I think we did. But I mean, I, I, thought, Ramsey was, I thought Ramsey was all right. Created yeah. five chances. I mean, he made one for Alexis that was saved at the near post. He made one for Cazorla, which Cazorla hit straight at the goalkeeper. And later on, he made that chance for... For Giroud, a little flick, put him yeah, straight brilliant. through with Cruel to beat. And, and, I, you know, if anything sums up our goal-scoring problems at the moment, it's Giroud with just the goalkeeper to beat trying to be too clever and doing a little flick or try to chip it over the goalkeeper rather than just, you know, put your foot through it and, and put the ball into the back of the net. Don't worry about how it goes in. Just make sure that it goes in. You know, mm. maybe he's banking on the goalkeeper going down there or something like that. But, you know, I think between that and the first chance that Walcott missed as well, a uh, brilliant ball from Bellerin on the right-hand side there was just no conviction was there about the way that he attacked the ball the way that he, he connected with the ball perhaps just a little bit too worried that there's a big giant goalkeeper coming out you know at him and he's going to get he's going to get flattened but look get flattened and score a goal what were we talking about
0: Ramsey oh Ozil yeah absent. I
1: mean I think we probably missed missed him of course but I don't think it had a huge impact on the way that we played
0: no, I agree. I thought Ramsey performed relatively well in that role and um I don't know, I it's just is it I mean rustiness is definitely a factor. Mm. You know, I still thought Alexis looked short of his his best. Um I understand the temptation to keep playing because he's got to find his form somehow. Mm. Um but he he's not quite where he was at, certainly at this point last season. And uh yeah, I, I you know, it's hard. It's hard to play against a team in Newcastle's position. You know, teams that go down to 10 men are, can be notoriously difficult to break down. And it's not a, a poor defence, you know, it's a defence who kept a clean sheet at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago, that they are a lot more organised than the Steve McLaren. So I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, we should be expecting to put four or five past them, mm-hmm. however many men they've got on the field. But it's more that the chances that you've named, the likes of Cazorla and Walcott and Giroud, the chances they had that were quite clear-cut that they were not able to take. I think that's the, the greatest cause of concern. Apparently, we've now had uh, the most shots of any team in the Premier League, mm. and yet scored the least goals. Yeah, um, it's quite an extraordinary stat. Really. Well, again, it, it speaks to
1: a problem of finishing rather than creativity. You yeah. know, so what? Well, what do we do then? What I mean, do you do you bank on these guys eventually finding their range?
0: Well, I mean, it's the same cast who who contributed quite a lot of goals last season, you know, and didn't seem to have too many problems, with the exception of Danny Welbeck, who's not available at the moment. Mm. Um, You know, there are players here who who have scored goals in the past. Both Walcott and Giroud have, you know, been around that twenty-goal mark in previous campaigns. Yeah, Uh, Alexis too. So, I don't think there's any cause for despair, particularly. However, the longer it rumbles on inevitably there will be question marks about personnel and with with the looming deadline i know we said we'd, we'd come back to it later i think there there will be a desire for someone to come in who can just maybe spark something if anything you know i think if it's not quite firing maybe the addition of a new ingredient could be what's required mm. All right,
1: we'll come back to that. Alex Oxley chamberlain got the nod on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wanted to see him back in the team. I was one of those people. I think he's one of those players that, that could be, you know, uh, somebody who can improve this season and therefore will help the team improve in terms of his overall contribution. Involved in the goal, obviously, because it was his shot that deflected in off Fabrizio Colaccini. But overall, what did we make uh, of his performance? Do we have to put it in the context of... Um, you know, if we're if we're looking at the the issues that Walcott had when they went down to ten men, was Oxlade Chamberlain similarly affected, or is he the kind of player that we're hoping can do more in a game like this, even when they do go down to ten?
0: I think you would expect a little bit more of Oxlade Chamberlain, because I think technically he's that much better than Walcott. He can operate in tighter spaces. Mm. He has the creativity to uh, you know, beat a man using skill or invention. And uh, I think he'll be a, a little disappointed in the showing. I do think it's a positive that he was involved in the crucial moment because I think that's, in the past, that's been the problem with Oxlade-Chamberlain. He's performed relatively well across 90 minutes but hasn't contributed enough, those decisive you know, moments. And, and I felt that he was quite direct in bringing about that, that goal, albeit an own goal ultimately. But I think overall... Uh, it certainly wasn't his best performance of the, the last couple of months, the pre-season period and the opening part of the season. But I still think that he's a player who is geared up for a big season and actually I've been a little bit surprised that he's been not been more involved. I think there's a degree to which his, his mistake on the opening day against West Ham uh, may have uh, worked against him somewhat because I think that he deserves a run in the side and I think he's got a lot to offer. And probably overall... Uh, a little more than Walcott to offer, particularly on that right-hand side at present.
1: Mm. Okay, so you're you're saying let's let's stick with him. I'm
0: Team Ox. I'm Team Ox. Team yeah. Ox. What about yourself?
1: Well, yeah, I thought he was a bit disappointing, to be honest. Um, things didn't quite come off for him, but maybe you know it's difficult to judge when he's played the first game, uh, been on the bench for the next two, come into a game in which I suppose the circumstances are a little bit, um, I won't say unusual, but uh the pattern of the game changed considerably after the the red card no doubt about it uh newcastle sat very deep defended but you know he is one of those players who's got dribbling ability he's got pace and power and you would you would hope that he could provide in a game like that you know those moments where that you need you need to be able to drive at the opposition you need to be able to spark something in the final third i mean look we are brilliant when it comes to passing the ball from left to right to right to left from left to right you know and a few little triangles here over on that wing you know we're brilliant we can do that all day long yeah i don't think there's any team better in the world perhaps than uh uh doing that than us maybe barcelona but you know what barcelona have uh, is is obvious cutting edge uh, in the final third, and I'm not saying Oxide Chamberlain should be like Messi, but I'm just saying that that's clearly something that we need at times, um, and I think he's got the ability to do that. But maybe he's under instruction to be a bit more restrictive to not give the ball away. I don't quite know, but uh, I, I'd like to see him get a bit more of a run, to
0: be honest. Yeah, me too. I think I think he warrants that. Um, I thought our fullbacks played well I have to say looking at the positives I thought they both were very solid defensively and overlapped very well Bellerin and and Montréal so that was that was good to see and and, you know I I thought Gabriel and and Koscielny showed some positive signs as a partnership
1: yeah they didn't have a they didn't have a great deal to do did they but what they did they did pretty efficiently no big fuss Um, you know I like what I see from Gabriel to be honest Uh, yeah it's still very early days because well, I don't know how many times he's played for us. Are we, are we into double figures yet? Do we know? Uh, barely, if so. Yeah. But, you know, he he, he hasn't looked uh, out of place in, in any of those games. You know, he's, he looks a, a tidy um, tidy sort of defender, fairly efficient on the ball, um, doesn't do anything daft or silly, try and overplay it. There was one moment um, that struck me maybe in the second half. I think he was running the ball down uh, towards the right back position and he was under a little bit of pressure from a Newcastle player. And rather than try and see it out and get caught like Lovren, he just stuck it out for a throw. Then we regroup and defend the throw, you know. So simple things like that uh, augur well. So yeah, that that was a positive for sure.
0: I like him. He's got a nice balance between being quite assured but also quite aggressive. You know, he's, he's quite proactive at times. He's not afraid to go to the ball, but he doesn't he's not he's not guilty of diving in so there's a really nice balance to his play and I think uh, I think we'll see hopefully I think we'll see quite a lot of him over the coming season
1: yeah yeah for sure so look yeah 1-0 win can't really argue with the result Um, the performance won't have eased any fears people have about the problems that we're having right now Mm. Um, and then we have to figure out does the transfer market offer any solutions that
0: is where we are yeah, and, and not long, not long to do that.
1: Mm. The window in Europe closes today.
0: Yeah, that, that's strange, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's because of the the bank holiday in the UK today. I see. N- means that the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the people that would be in work are off work, so that's why they've given it till six o'clock tomorrow. Well, probably the the, the, the trains probably aren't all running. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And there aren't enough rally choppers to go around for the players
0: to get where they need to go. Sure, there's not enough uh, fax machine repairmen yeah. available to work today. I um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be hard. I mean, Arsene Wenger spoke about it and said, well, it could work to the English team's advantage because they'll be the only people out on the market. But I wonder if you're trying to buy a player from a club who, who are not even allowed to get a replacement in mm. on the same day... Does that hinder, well, yeah. hinder your prospects? You would think so.
1: You would think mm. so. Unless, you know, the only way you can do that is make it a uh, make them an offer they can't refuse financially. And then does that not put you at a disadvantage if you're having to pay more? I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, um. let's, let, we'll go into the specifics of, of some of the questions, I guess, in, in the second part. But do you expect us to make... Any signings
0: before the window closes? Uh, I, I no, I don't at the moment. Um, I can understand why people would like to see some. I'd like to see some. I think it's possible and plausible. But if if you ask me, do I expect it? I would have to say no. My my feeling is that uh, you know, as Arsene Wenger would say, we are not close to anything. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily anticipate that changing what about yourself no no Emphatic. i'd
1: be yeah i'd be hugely surprised if we brought anyone in hugely you know i think if if it was going to be done it would be done by now um i i, I just don't just don't think there's anyone out there that he wants or can get maybe there's the players that he wants but he can't get them like, if he wants Benzema, he can't get him. No. There's no point in pretending that, you know, this is anything other than um, a hugely difficult situation if that's the player that you want. But, you know, I, as well as that, as you say, things would have to start happening for players like that to become available. Like, Real Madrid aren't going to sell their only main striker to us. Of course, of
0: course. Especially so, not... Especially not on Tuesday, you know, mm. when they when they can't get anyone else in. But
1: is there an argument then that we should be going after a different kind of player? That if we can't get a world-class forward or a world-class striker, should we not be in the market for for something else? Is there anything else out there that could that could make this squad better? I mean, when you put it in those very simplistic terms, don't tell me there's nobody out there that could make this squad better, you know, which is fairly understandable. But... If he does buy, like, a wide midfielder, who's who's going to drop out? Is it going to be Alexis? Could he, you know, again, we come back to maybe playing Alexis as a forward and bringing in another uh, attacking midfield player. Are we not criticised for having too many attacking midfield players? Would a defensive midfielder make any real difference to this squad if the problems are goal-scoring? It's complicated.
0: Yeah, it is complicated. I mean, one that, one that does certainly interest me is the situation with Victor Wanyama at Southampton who appears to be burning set, setting fire to his bridge. Oh, why what's happening there? Um well, I, I think it's that there was a bid for him from Tottenham and it was rejected and he uh I think has kicked up a bit of a fuss and Ronald Koeman is sort of trying to trying to convince him to stay but he's he's being very difficult about it now. Obviously it's not good to see that, but I do think Why would he want to go to Tottenham? Well, Lord only knows, but I do think as a, in terms of a physical defensive midfield player, you know, which is something that maybe in the, in respect to not having an alternative to Cockland, we could do with, he's definitely someone who uh, who I think Arsenal should be looking at. He did very well last season alongside Schneiderland. Um but in terms of the attacking side of the squad, honestly, I I really find it hard to identify potential talents. I mean, there's this guy who. Manchester United are linked with today. Have you seen Anthony Martial? Uh, yeah. Monaco forward, they're talking about 50 million euros, something like that, 35 million pounds. I mean, that's the kind of player that who you imagine Arsene might have been looking at a younger, you know, not necessarily an elite level name yet, but someone who's got that potential. Mm. However, I don't necessarily see him wading in at that kind of level with that sort of beard, you know?
1: Yeah, I well, mean that's a massive amount of money for a 19-year-old. Yeah. You know, um, but that's the market though. Yeah. Ultimately that's, that's that is the market. And we either think, compete at that level or I don't know. What do you do? I oh mean, indeed. is it, I mean, do, can you just say, well, that's a ridiculous price for that player when every player goes for that kind of money. At some well, point you have to now, just yeah. like,
0: I feel like now a top level player costs you in excess of 40 million pounds. Yeah. Like I feel like we've, this summer we've reached that, you know, with Sterling and De Bruyne and those kinds of fees. Mm. Uh, I feel like that's that's now the mm. the ballpark we have to operate in. Yeah,
1: and I'm not saying we should just go out and spend £50 million pounds on some uh, 19-year-old. Uh, but, you know, if the market dictates the prices uh, and you're looking at, uh, at players and you think, well, maybe f- not for that price. Can't spend that much money on him, but, you know.
0: Bear in mind, we can afford it as well. That's the important thing to say.
1: Mm. Mm. What about, in terms of transfer business, anyone going out? I mean, Joel Campbell, for example, Matthew Flamini not involved. I mean, is there, would that give us some idea that if, for example, uh, Campbell, who's been linked all over the place, were to leave before the end of today, because chances are he would go to a club abroad? Maybe, maybe that would give us a hint.
0: Maybe. I mean, I, I find it extraordinary that he's still here. To be honest with you, um, I was absolutely convinced he'd be gone by now. I mean, if he doesn't go, I'd say don't bother tuning in tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know, I think if he if he if he stays with the club, it's probably because Arson feels he's not able to get anyone else over the line. Yeah. Um, Although it would leave open the option of him joining an English club tomorrow, I guess. But I would expect him to go today, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, if he was going, you would think so. So we'll have to see what happens between now and 11 o'clock midnight. So uh, whatever time will it will closes. Go? I don't know. I don't know. Again, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he stayed and was used as you know one of our forward line options.
0: Mm. Mm. It would surprise me. But then maybe not at this at this point I mean a a few months ago I would have said no chance but given the lack of alternatives
1: now you have to say chance not no Chance, chance, chance chance all right we're going to take a short break we're going to come back with some of your questions in part two right after this
0: Hello, welcome back to the Ask Cast Extra. We're going to have a look at some of your questions now sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog or at AskBlog with the hashtag AskCastExtra. There we go. Well done. It looks like you were doing it. Very professional. <laughs> um, the first question comes from Senkwe Chanda. He's at Senkwe on Twitter. Uh, and he says, Do you think the need to spend is overblown considering Chelsea, Liverpool and United's results this weekend?
1: I don't, I don't know if you could say... I don't know if you could put, conflate the two things, you know? It's right, always yeah. hilarious when Chelsea lose and lose at home and Mourinho is sad. Nobody can ever be unhappy about that, apart from Chelsea fans and Mourinho, of course, uh, which makes it all the more enjoyable for the rest of us. Manchester United, Liverpool, you know, what? What when bad things happen to them, I like it. Mm. I, I like I, it.
0: I, listen, I don't mind it. I'll I know. enjoy
1: it. I think we're all on the same page here. But what that has to do with us... Um, and what maybe we need to do in the transfer market is, is a separate thing. My feeling is that perhaps the reason for so much clamour in the in the transfer market is the need for more goals. Something that Arsene Wenger identified, and he said he wants more goals from this team. Um, somebody sent me something interesting last week by email. I can't find it. But basically, in order to be champions, you need to score at least 83 goals in a season, something like that. He worked it out. He did like all the, the amount of goals scored by the champions. And apologies okay. again, that I can't remember his name. Um And we scored 72 last season. So we need to increase by at least 10. Um okay. And then we have this stuttering start to the season where goals just, we can't score any. We've got one in four games and two own goals. Um, Our strikers are missing chances. The team that is doing it and scoring goals and winning games, Manchester City, have addressed the fact that they didn't come close to winning the title last season by going out and spending a huge amount of money on attacking players. So you're looking at them running away with things at this moment in time I know it's only four games and a lot can happen, but they've started very strongly. They've strengthened their squad. And there's a feeling that the addition of Petr Cech, as good a goalkeeper as he is, isn't going to be sufficient for us to score the goals that we need. Therefore, where do we you find don't think, those you don't goals?
0: Think he's gonna, you don't think he's going to help add the 10 goals we need to score? Petr no,
1: Cech. I mean, look, I'd, I'd have him down at five. Right. I think the uh, the onus Set is on a yeah, few, few, few headers of, uh, you know, when the, head, uh, the ball comes off the, the, the helmet that he's got in strange True. directions. Um, so that's why I think that there's so much interest in what we should do in the transfer market, not necessarily what we will do. Does that make sense? Right.
0: Yes, of course. Do you think <laughs> we're in danger of having yet another season where... Uh, we're a player or two players shy sure. of where we need to be.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's where we are. Unless something happens between now and tomorrow evening at, uh, at 6 o'clock, I think that's where we are. And look, you can, you can be as rational and commonsensical if that's the right word about the transfer market and what's available and what's uh, what money you have to spend and who you can realistically spend it on i think you know you can you can be as uh, sane as you like about all that but at the same time you can't get away from the feeling that we are players short of challenging properly and and trying to win the the premier league so yeah. that's that's kind of where it all
0: stems from i think I think that's very, very reasonable. Hmm. Um, right, over to you. Next okay. question.
1: This one comes from Steve Oakley at Stephen Oakley one uh, And he wants to know, do you think um, Cazorla becoming a central midfielder has hindered our progress in a certain way? He says, without yeah. him, Ramsey and Wilshire share 60 games as central midfielders. Oxley chamberlain starts right wing. Players are playing in their natural positions. It gives us balance, pace, dribbling and power. Um... But but Cazorla, as effective as he can be in the centre, makes the team slightly imbalanced in some way.
0: Maybe. I can see the argument. I, I guess the argument would be that Cazorla, for everything he brings in terms of his ability to instigate play from deep in the midfield to start moves off. And, you know, Arsene talks about how he's very good at early passes. He, he is kind of half of what you would want from a player in that part of the field. He doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have the defensive attributes or the physicality that you would hope for t- to thrive in that area. Um, however, I probably wouldn't say that it's hindered our progress because, you know, him actually switching to that position last season saw a serious upturn in our both our performances and our results. And I think when he's not there we do miss him. That's not to say that there's not a, a superior player out there who could kind of do his job and some of the others you'd like to see uh, in the centre of the park. But I think in terms of the options that we have, I think it, it is pretty important that he plays there. I think that we're, we're fairly reliant on him. To to, mm-hmm. to find Ozil early, I think, as much as anything, um, that the link between those two players uh, seems absolutely crucial to our our creative player present. So I don't, know if I'd, I don't know if I'd say that it's been a, a hindrance, although I don't think it comes without its problems, especially in the case of Aaron Ramsey, because accommodating him becomes a challenge unto itself. What, what do you think?
1: Like I love watching Santi; I think he's fantastic. But I, you know, the manager tried to change it early in the season and in preseason. Yeah. So I think he feels that it's not quite what he wants from the way his team uh, to be set up.
0: I don't think it was ever a plan, that's for sure.
1: No, it, it just kind of happened, didn't it? And, yeah. you know, six months ago, somebody said to you, your, mid, your central midfield pairing at Arsenal would be Coquelin and Cazorla. You'd be like, what? What are mm. you talking about? Uh, but that's where we are. And it seems, you know, we're, we're not necessarily overrun throughout central midfield at any point. I think that's as much down to Coquelin as, as anything else. But... Yeah, I I don't know. I I still it still doesn't feel like a really long term thing to me. Yeah, I don't know and what it, the solution is though.
0: That's the problem. <laughs> no, well, there's also a degree to which it kind of works, you know, and and Coquelin's presence, as you say, kind of affords you Casola alongside him. Mm. Um, whereas when you went with Mikel Arteta as your holding midfielder, having Aaron Ramsey. Next to him to provide that much more energy made sense. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's a functioning partnership as well, because all and Coquelin. I think breaking that up is a concern for Arsene. Mm. Um, so I, I, you know, for the time being, I do think it's the way to go. Um, but it, it is definitely interesting that Arsene, I think, does doesn't necessarily see it as the the long term setup for mm. his for his side. All right. Uh, uh, Shall I have another question? Yeah. Okay. This one uh, is from Michael, who's at Ula Fifty Six, and he says, "Without any incoming players, what can Arsenal do to fix their misfiring attack?" Oh, well, that's easy. Well, he's asking the wrong people. Uh, we need to ask Glass and Wenger. Really, he might. He might. Have some inclination, although four games in doesn't necessarily seem so.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the 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 solution is uh, it's obvious, it's completely, complete completely obvious, it's plain as the nose on your face,
0: and that is quite the plain nose. Let me uh, tell you. yeah,
1: it is. Um, how do you fix that? Well, try kicking the ball into the net. Now I know it's, it's, it's is a revolutionary. Thought. It is. Yeah. Well when presented with an opportunity to kick the ball into the net what we should do is kick the ball into the net and not high or wide not over it. Okay. no or at the what goalkeeper about kicking it
0: All right, i was going to say can we kick it just straight at the goalkeeper you're saying no no, to no
1: that. don't do that either this okay. is this is this is how to fix this problem it's it's really very fucking simple kick the ball into the net and don't not kick the ball into the net after that Things become a lot easier.
0: You make it sound simple, but remember, these guys are footballers, not scientists. Yeah, that's true. You, you may need to break it down, a, you know, a bit clearer. <sighs> yeah,
1: them. I mean, you, maybe that's what we, we could use this interlull for. We could go take them away. One of those team bonding weekends, you know, where you've got to like fall back, or you've got to build a build a bridge over this river and help each other across, and you can become a team. So one of those. But one of the exercises that we could do is. Kick the ball into the net, we could call it football practice perhaps, so what we do is we get we'll get a goal and a net and a goalkeeper, and then we'll just make them kick the ball into the net over and over again until it becomes second nature to them and then yeah. all of our problems are solved.
0: Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. I yeah think. so
1: uh, someone tell the manager. Cause he, you know, he's, listen,
0: he's listening. Come on, he's listening. He must be.
1: Hello, Arson. Uh, well, this goes uh, sort of with a question that Young Guns Opinion ask, a y g o blog at a y g o blog, and he says, "Am I the only one who takes a huge confidence from the amount of chances we're creating? Surely it's only a matter of time before the players get their sharpness up and we start plundering goals for fun, not just scoring goals, James. Plundering."
0: I love that. I love the use like of the word plundering. footballing pirates, exactly that. Um, I I do see that argument. I do see that that we are creating a lot of chances, and that goals, as Arsene Wenger I think would say and has said, can be cyclical or cyclical. I don't. I don't know what cyclical, that word is. Cyclical. I'll go go. It's cyclical. Mm. Um, you know. I, I think sometimes it just it can take. One game where it all clicks, and you know suddenly the the confidence returns to the finishing, and the pressure pressure comes off because I think is a real inhibitor you know mm. in front of a goalkeeper um and at least at least we are creating opportunities I think it would be more concerning if uh if we if we just weren't you know if uh there was just nothing at all firing in in the attack yeah um the concern is like how long do you let that run like if the if the current crop of strikers Aren't finding form, which is effectively what we're talking about here, can you recruit somebody who, who can hit the ground running and, and transform things? Or do you simply have to wait it out mm. and hope the, the existing guys sort of click into gear? I suppose the, um, other, the other way to look at it, or perhaps what,
1: what Michael was asking in the earlier question, is can you do something with the shape of the team or the way yeah. the team is set up in order to uh, to to change things around, I think he tried that, didn't he? With with Walcott up front against Newcastle, that was an indication that he was willing to try something different. Oxley Chamberlain on the right, of course, that was uh, necessary because of the the absence of uh, of Mesut Ozil. But you know. Is, is there something else he could do? Change formation? Could we play two up front? Is that possible? Or are we too wedded to this system and the only thing we can do is is move players around within that framework?
0: I don't know. I think you're right in that he did try to change it. I think even the decision to deploy Aaron Ramsey as advanced as he was, you know, that that's a guy who offers a goal threat and he's trying to get him literally closer to the goal. I, I think that it's clear that us and knows there's a problem and is trying to address it. I don't think changing the shape of the team, though, will correct hurried finishing. That's something that has to be dealt with, you know, you'd, you'd think with on, on the training ground, but I don't think it's as if these players can't finish. I don't, You know, we've seen in the past, we've seen great finishes from them all. I think it's a an issue of confidence and conviction for the most part. And unfortunately, I feel like the only thing that can change that is what happens out on the field you know mm. i feel like it needs a, a game where kind of the storm breaks to an extent like my voice is yeah i was just going to i was just waiting for you to cough there so i could cut it out <laughs> um i'll do it now yeah. and then we'll cut it out and no we'll never know it happened yeah <laughs> there we go
1: fantastic brilliant stuff um yeah i mean I, it comes back to the to the uh to the team building weekend kick the ball in the net You know, I think there there is certainly an element of truth to what you're saying when it comes to the finishing because Alexis scored 24 goals uh, last season. Giroud got 19 or 20 in a smaller number of games than he usually plays. Walcott, I remain unconvinced, generally speaking, about Theo. uh, But there's no reason why, from the positions that they've been in, that they shouldn't be scoring those goals. So... I think there's an element of it just being a bad run, an unfortunate run in front of goal. That's not to say we can't improve our options, but given that we've both pretty much said that we're not going to sign anybody, we're going to have to hope that these guys find their shooting boots soon. Like, very soon.
0: Very soon, indeed.
1: Mmm. Yes.
0: Uh, Shall we do more of these questions? Do it. Do it now. Um, Okay, this one, you touched on this a a moment ago. This is from Drew Versch, and he asks, at Drew Versch, what makes Wenger and Walcott think that he can play central striker? No idea.
1: (laughs) Honestly. Really? Yeah. I I don't... Ian Wright was on BT Sport at the weekend talking Hmm. about... Look, if you're going to make Theo Walcott a central striker, you you start that training when he's much younger. He said 21. Maybe you put him in that position when, you know, he's 18. He's always kind of spoken about him as a central striker. But look, for me, the one quality that he's got as somebody in that position is the pace. So if you can get in behind the defence and put Walcott through on goal, he's not a bad finisher at all. So I can see a logic to it from that point of view. But I think in the modern game, you you need to be a good footballer as well. That you need to be much more involved. Like eighteen touches of the ball against Newcastle, two of those were to miss glorious chances. I don't know what the rest of them were. You know, it's it's frustrating to me that he he becomes so peripheral in games almost kind of hiding in plain sight you know it's not possible mm. to pass the ball to a guy who's standing with three defenders around him so move take some <laughs> of the defenders with you you know it's it's simple things like that the the technical level that he's got i don't think is i don't think he's good enough as a footballer to play as a central striker in a team that needs that central striker to also provide a little bit of a focal point, and I know you play differently with Walcott up front than you would with Giroud, but I just don't, I just don't see that he's got enough about him as a player. From a just from, it just doesn't get involved enough. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to want to at times. You know, so I don't, I don't quite, I don't quite get it. I think it's See. like a desperation thing because Giroud is there and, and Welbeck is there and he doesn't want to play Walcott on the right anymore. Certainly doesn't seem to, to select him there. Like he'll pick Oxley chamberlain he'll pick Ramsey, he'll pick Wilshire ahead of Walcott now. And that's the way yeah. it's been for the last six months. And I don't buy that this has got anything to do with the injury. It's got nothing to do with the injury. You know, if he's going to play him as a central striker, he could play him as a right-sided player. So I I don't know.
0: So why was his
1: contract extended? I guess because you don't lose a 26-year-old clean-cut England international who is, you know, at times a valuable player. Right. But whether he's worthy of that kind of a contract, that's another question.
0: Yeah. What about the games? Let's play sort of Walcott's advocate. What about the games where he has played a central striker and performed to a decent level? You know, I'm thinking of the FA Cup final, Or you know. Yeah, uh, he scored a great goal that day. Yeah. But that was a fantastic
1: team performance. I don't think it was built around Walcott as a central striker. The game against West Brom, when he played and scored a hat-trick and a very good hat-trick at that, West Brom were on holidays. Final day of the season. They didn't give a shit, you know. So... I think you you have to put those games in context, and you could still probably count on two hands the amount of times he's played up there. There was one game, was it, it was against Tottenham, wasn't it in the in the FA Cup?
0: Yeah, I and think he it's played the one where he really, got yeah,
1: he played really well that day, like really well, surprisingly well. Um, but again, that's, that's the exception rather than the norm. So. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he can make any real judgments on Walcott as a central striker. Um, I just don't think he's suitable for that position. I don't think it suits him at all.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really difficult one. I, I do feel like it's... I think Ian Wright's point's a really good one. You know, I think Walcott does struggle a little bit as a centre-forward, but that's so much due to an experience in that position. Like, it's just so different from what he's been doing on the wing Yeah, in terms of the level of hold-up play that's required, the level of link play... And I do think that expecting him to adjust to that at his age now, at this stage of his career, is very ambitious on the, Arsene's part.
1: Yeah, there's a, you know what there is about the, the best strikers is that they have the gift of really clever movement. Yeah. But we don't necessarily see it, perhaps, when we're watching games even or watching on TV, but, you know, you look at something like uh, the way Henri moved, the way that... Uh, Van Persie even found space. You know, Aguero, relentless, nonstop running, um, but clever running. And Walcott just tends to stand around a lot. So I, I don't think there's any way you can educate him to be uh, a top-class striker. Now, if he, he scores 60, 70 goals in the next couple of seasons for Arsenal playing in that position, um, I'm going to have to eat my words, but I'd be very surprised.
0: OK, mm. get ready to... Yeah, you might have to eat your words and your hat.
1: Yes, my delicious steak words hat.
0: a la hat, indeed. All
1: right, here's one from Brian Toller at Envisage. And he wants to know, this season's Premier League will be one with a record low number of points. Discuss. And he's a hashtag TV money, which I suspect uh, is to is to signal some equalisation throughout the league.
0: Well, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it certainly seems to be true of most teams that they're struggling for consistency. However, there is a very obvious exception to that in the shape of Manchester City, um, who, as you mentioned earlier, are kind of steamrolling through the competition at the moment. Uh, so if they continue in that vein, then I don't think it will be a, a low point to tally. tally. Um, I, I appreciate it exceptionally early, though. Uh and, uh, you know, it, it is it is good to see, I mean, obviously it's great to see Manchester United and Chelsea and Liverpool losing in any context, but I think from a competitive point of view, it's it's great that those kind of mid-table teams, the likes of Crystal Palace and Swansea, have advanced to the level that they have. Mm. Um, that said, I, I do think that there's probably still teething problems. I think that the transfer window's not yet closed. Some of those teams, United, for example, will strengthen and that I think the, ta- the table might begin to look a little bit more familiar over mm-hmm. the next couple of months. It, that's, that's how it tends to go, you know, it regresses towards a, a mean. I think we'll, I don't think it'll be a dramatically different season to uh, to any other once we're a few months in. What do you reckon?
1: Um, I think we'd like it to be one with a record low because that might mean we've more of a chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, City are are 12 from 12,
0: they are
1: indeed. Um, so that's a that's a that's a good start. I you know, I do think it's more competitive. I do think there are there's more shocks than there were, but I think the best team will win the league by by getting more or less the same amount of points that, that normal winners do. You know, mm. it'll be somewhere in that region. As we're talking, the French Football Federation have confirmed that Anthony Marshall is heading for Manchester United talks. So there you go. They're going to yeah, get that guy.
0: It's just a, sh- a short train ride from Manchester to London. Yeah. somebody. If somebody only intercept- it wasn't a bank holiday. <laughs> Damn those leaves.
1: Leaves on the track again. All right. Have you got one more?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I do, actually. All right. Um, I, think, I think I'm think i done. Have you got any? I've got one more here.
1: And okay. this comes from James Black. He- like,
0: I like his name.
1: Well, get this. He's at Rex Thunder. Which is a pretty awesome name. Come on, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, he's got to be like a private detective or something like that. Yeah. Rex Thunder. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, he said, During the game on Saturday, watching on TV, I found myself in near constant agreement with Robbie Savage. What should I do?
0: Oh, God. I I don't know. I was spared... Savage's dulcet tones. I didn't have uh, commentary on the screen that I was watching on. Did you hear Robbie Savage? Do we know how reasonable or unreasonable he was being?
1: You know, I've got to a point where when Robbie Savage talks, I just kind of hear this high-pitched buzzing noise. I don't really pay any attention to, to what it is he's saying. You've tuned out, effectively. Essentially. So I can't say with any certainty whether or not he was being ridiculous uh and and daft and you know but I, I mean, the I, likelihood I, is the likelihood is that he probably was so maybe there's something wrong with james that he should go see a doctor about that he's hearing common sense from nonsense it could well, be
0: something on your brain i mean ask yourself this james has how much sense has this podcast made to you if you found yourself agreeing with us, then I think something's deeply wrong. Yeah. Your thinking and interpretation's all back to front. Yeah, So I would definitely speak to a medical specialist.
1: Please, please go and get like an MRI or a CTI or an MFI or a KGB or one of those. CGI, CSI? CGI, CSI, yeah, exactly, exactly. They can zoom in and go into mm. the depths of your brain to see what it might be. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing that you could do James, if you're in near constant agreement with Robbie Savage, and I think from the tone of his question, we get the we get the sense that he, he doesn't like this. No, he would. Yeah. You could go somewhere else and start a new life. Fake your own death and move abroad. Take what meager possessions you have. Empty your bank account and just go live somewhere where nobody knows you. Start all over again. Take on a new name. Call yourself... Rex Thunder. Hi, my name is Rex Thunder. You can have a little bar, Rex's bar on some beach somewhere, sell sausages and beers. And that way you'd never have to worry about Robbie Savage again,
0: James. That would be what I would do. I mean, look, it's something we'd all like, to be honest. Mm. Mm. To be called Rex Thunder and not worry about Robbie Savage. Exactly. That's, the, that's truly the dream.
1: This is actually an opportunity for James to do to live the dream, essentially.
0: Every crisis is an opportunity.
1: True, true, true.
0: We should remember that on deadline day.
1: We certainly will. Okay, well, look, um, safe travels on your train back down. Uh, if you see any footballers on the train.
0: I imagine Sky will have a, a reporter deployed at King's Cross mm-hmm. when I arrive in to bring you all breaking news. Yes. Um, yes, I. if I see any footballers on the train, I'll try and coerce them towards London County.
1: That would be a good idea. All right, well, for now, we'll leave you in your alley chopper in Edinburgh. And uh, we'll be back next. Well, will we? Yeah, we will. We'll be back next week with an Arscast extra. We'll do oh, that. Oh,
0: we'll be back. We'll be back.
1: Oh, right. yes. You better oh, believe. We'll be back. Until then, folks, take it easy.
0: Bye bye.